0: Thank you. Badger fans and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin Athletics. On today's show, we're going to do a quick rundown, of course, of the Eastern Michigan contest. The Badgers put forth a dominating effort on the ground and defensively against the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Really was a nice tune-up game for them to get ready heading into the bye week. So we'll break down everything we saw from those. Um, both sides of the ball in that, and then uh, we'll get you guys out of here quick. Um, full disclosure, just in case I sound a little bit different, I am actually down at a work conference in Dallas. We are recording this very early on Monday morning before the meeting starts, so I will be, we'll, it'll be a quicker, probably a shorter episode, but we still wanted to make sure we got you guys the two episodes a week as we head into this bye week. If there's anything that we need to get to further in depth um, from this game, we'll of course touch on it. Later this week, but we wanted to get you guys a normal pod to recap this dominating effort from the Badgers uh, to open the season early here. Matt, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Yeah, no, it was it was nice to see the Badgers play a much more complete game. Um, you know, they went with pretty vanilla script um, from the from the get go, which you would expect against the MAC opponent. But overall, it was nice to see the ground game get going. Um, merch clean up a few things and, and really the defense just to continue to look really strong so how are you doing man? I'm good yeah it was a, a
0: fun contest much better of course than that uh, that Green Bay Packers game which I uh, only got to see bits and pieces of being down here for this work thing but I, I think I'm a little bit thankful for that but thankfully got to see all of the Badger game um, which was great and, and I'm glad that this team just came out and put these guys away you know we talked about it in in the episode last week that this is a team that Wisconsin should dominate, but it's also a team that if you let them hang around and don't play well, um, it can get you. And Wisconsin didn't didn't flirt with that at all. Of course, got stuffed on their first drive, but after that, really just you know flexed their muscles on, on all phases with uh, a dominating run game and defense. It was of course um their their stout and usual self. So we'll get into all things that football time before we do that. Um, any news, football, basketball, anything outside? Because I know it's been a, a little bit of uh, a few days, of course, football's got you some attention, but there's been some other stuff going on.
1: Well, volleyball keeps cruising, but um, in terms of basketball recruiting, a couple couple news items. Connor Estegian has set his commitment date. Um, I think Wisconsin is the team to beat there after he just took an official visit um, a week ago. He he's a kid that um, we'll talk about if he does end up committing, but a really good shooter. Um, and somebody that I think, you know, wasn't their top target um, by any stretch of the imagination. You look at the number of offers. They had six guard offers out. Um, He is the last remaining guard that that, uh, holds an offer and is not committed after Josh Dix um, committed to Iowa over the weekend. So that's the one thing to watch for. We'll talk about – that his commitment, if he does choose the Badgers later on this week in the second episode, um, and kind of break his commitment down further, but but I think tre- things are trending in the right way for the Badgers to pick up a, a basketball commit here soon.
0: Yeah, I think that would be a, a great pick. We've talked about him a little bit on the podcast before. Uh, of course, you mentioned uh, a guy that can shoot the ball, shoot the ball really well, which is what Wisconsin's kind of need. They've done a really good job recruiting some some forwards and bigger guys, but. Um, some some shooters and, and knockdown guys would certainly be beneficial for them as they move forward here in these recruiting classes. So like Matt mentioned, as uh, as his commitment comes to fruition, we'll, of course, uh, recap and, and announce anything and, and talk about that uh, later in our other episodes. All right, why don't we go ahead and hop into this football contest? We'll maybe start offensively because I think both sides played really well, but I, I, if you look at it, the ground game was, was really the spectacular phase for Wisconsin. Um, five different backs ended up getting touches, a good amount. Of course, uh, even Brady Shipper. Um, Shipper was the lone back that did not score a touchdown, but Braylon Allen was in there. Of course, everyone was relieved. I know Wisconsin football Twitter was, you know, took a deep, deep breath of, of relief when they saw Jalen Berger. He ended up with once again, I can't believe it somehow, 15 touches. Right on the nose. It's just incredible the the pitch count that he's on. But it was great to see him out there. I know. Um, I know there was some tweets circulating of him not being involved in warmups for a second, so I know there was a lot of panic. But it looks to be like he's back in the rotation with, of course, Isaac Rendo and Ches Malusi, who both ran pretty well as well. So you mentioned it, really, uh, kind of a vanilla attack, just keep it on the ground, dominate them. But it was working. Wisconsin ran it really well. Um, so what did you make of that? Really, <laughs> five-headed attack for that Wisconsin rushing
1: uh, offense. I thought it was really good, and I think that that was one of the things that you came into this week and really wanted to see. I know that's something that I had pinpointed that I was hoping to see was that this – Offensive line kind of got back their groove, um, figured some things out. We'll talk more about the O-line uh, in particular. But I think the rushing attack, you look at those top three backs of Malusi, Garendo, and Berger, they all um, showed flashes. I mean, Malusi took it 60 yards second carry of the game. And really, um, he's not a top-end speed guy like Garendo. Garendo hit in that 24-mile-an-hour mark again um, for that 82-yard touchdown. But, but Malusi – breaking that that run open and then really had a couple other chunk plays um and really just he runs so well. I think that Malusi is is by far their top back after a few games here. But it was nice to see Berger get back involved. He didn't wow you with anything in particular, long of only seven yards. So it was it was, you know, five yards and a cloud of dust throughout the, the day, but still for him to get get some of that rust off, get back into game into a game get his 15 carries and get out I think was really um, a positive step for this offense just because I do think that they need all three of these backs, Malusi, Garendo, and Berger. I think they all bring something slightly different. Um, Garendo with the speed a little bit uh, more size. Malusi is just so quick in and out of the hole. Um, and, and then Berger who's more of a glider. So I think that's a really good combo. And, and really for this team to put out put together 350-plus on the ground, I think is is a positive step. Let's them um, set themselves up, gain some confidence going into the bye week, and, and really still do so without putting a bunch on tape for Notre Dame, which is, I think, what they were trying to do. Um, I know people um, were still unhappy with the play calling after the game, but um, – I'm telling you, this is this is what they do. This is by design. That's what they're just trying to make sure that they can get in, get out with the win, clean up some things on the offensive line, um, and really the rushing attack was was the main story. That run by Correndo, wow, he is fast. <laughs> yeah, he's got some serious wheels, and you know it,
0: it's crazy because well, Lucy is pretty quick too, but Correndo's just got that breakaway speed that, uh, like you said, really I think complements each other, you know, really well. I, I really like that. Um, you know, I, I think in terms of how the, the carries were kind of distributed, I, I think that's a good number for each of them moving forward. Um, you know, Jalen Berger with 15 and, and Ches Malusi getting a little bit more and Grendo kind of being that change of pace between the two in terms of speed, um, and a little bit more of a downhill runner. So I really like the balance that they had with those three. Um, and, and then, you know, you can always change that up, go with the hot hand and, and keep them all fresh. So I think that was a really good overall um, with with the running attack. Jez Malusi, um, you know, when you know, we talked about him when he, of course, announced come to Wisconsin, we thought maybe he was going to be, um, you know, the number two back, a guy that comes in to, to give Jalen Berger a blow, but he's been so much more than that and, and really exceeded, I think, a lot of people's expectations where he's came in and been, you know, a dominating, you know, starting running back. He's, he's the bell cow right now. And, of course, the other two are in there and, and can help supplement some carries, and I think that's a great way to go about especially early on but I think right now you're certainly leaning on a guy like that so I think this running attack looked really solid I like the balance I like everything I saw and then hopefully they'll continue to get better and 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 run strong through this
1: bye week and and come out ready uh, on fire against Notre Dame. Yeah because I I think this was the thing that they needed to do they needed to get that offensive um moving on the ground um just because I think you need to get that going so that when you do call on the pass it, it's not so predictable. Um and, and really I thought that Mertz uh to kind of segue here I thought he looked a lot better. Um a lot more poised. Um part of that he's was he had more time in the pocket but at the same time he was much more accurate. Um you look at it 14 to 17 140 um and really, that those numbers are better if you. He probably has two touchdowns if you have Kendrick Pryor not bobbled that ball in the back of the end zone. That was right on the money. That was it was there for him. And then uh, the the wipe away. Danny Davis had the hold that took away the Clay Cundiff touchdown. So I think you look at statistically, you're you're not saying, oh wow, you know Graham Mertz, he's back. He's uh, you know a magician out there or anything. But at the same time, he did what you needed to do, moved the chains, and was much more accurate, which I think was important for him. And was, you looked at his footwork, and it looked like he was more comfortable out there. And, um, I think that's a good step for him, as, and it leads nicely into the bye week. So I think that was a big game for him in a lot of ways. And I did like that they got Kendrick Pryor more involved in the passing game as well, with 50 yards receiving, um, only only had three touch or two touches in the game prior, so I think it was great to see that he was more involved in this game as well. Yeah, we talked about it last week. You know, needing
0: to get Graham Mertz some confidence coming into the or coming out of this game. You know, you wanted to, you knew. I think the the game plan was, of course, to keep it on the ground. You know, get that running game going, but you also wanted to get some confidence in Mertz and, and try to get him uh, a good amount of throws. And I, I totally agree with you. I think he looked. Um, you know much better, much more efficient um, stepped up in the pocket, you mentioned the footwork that was one thing that in that Penn State contest, it just looked like he was all over the place of course, part of that is is the defensive pressure I think what gets lost in that um that openers that that defensive you know front for Penn state was a lot better than people expected and and really um you know caused a, a lot of hurries for him, not saying that the play uh, you know not making any excuse, but you definitely see with the um the step down in competition with Eastern Michigan, and then all of a sudden he had a lot more time, looked a lot more comfortable. I think he threw it with, with a lot more, um, you know, fire behind it. You know, he, he stepped up in the pocket and, and threw a good, accurate ball versus, you know, the, the opening week he was kind of aiming it and, and you know, just trying to place it perfectly versus this time he just kind of came out and threw it. So that, I think that's huge. You mentioned the touchdown. Maybe the numbers don't blow you away, but, you know, to come out there and, and get some easy completions, look a lot cleaner in the pocket. Um, I think will be huge for him moving forward. And, of course, you know, when the game was, was in hand, you wanted to get him reps, but you also, you know, wanted to get out of there. And, and of course, Chase Wolf got a decent amount of, of run as well. But I think confidence-wise, Graham Mertz will will be um, you know, really, really solid, feeling good heading into this bye week and allow him to continue to grow. They can install some more stuff, of course, with the low week. And then, hopefully, uh, against Notre Dame, they come out um, strong and, and he continues to play well. Because if, if they can run the ball like that and, and he can do – you know, fourteen to seventeen, you know, maybe a little bit more completions and and, and passing attempts uh, against a team uh, like Notre Dame, but he doesn't need to come out and, and be this this guy who's slinging it all over the place if they're able to run the way uh, that they did on Saturday after or Saturday evening.
1: Yeah, and, and what, let's let's look at this from a Wisconsin perspective. They've always ran the ball; that's their bread and butter, and that's how when you look at their offensive line, they don't have a lot of offensive linemen or who have amazing pass, pass pro technique. This is a team that they want to lean on you. They want to push you around. And so I think that the way that this game played out, the game plan that they used is, should be the blueprint probably moving forward. Um, I do think it was interesting that when you look at this offensive line, that they still rotated a ton of guys through. Um, we'll see if they tighten up that rotation against Notre Dame. But – we, we saw last week they rotated eight different guys, and, well, they rotated nine in this game with Logan Brown also getting snaps of left tackle after Tyler Beach really struggled against Penn State. So I think I think it's safe to say, and, and Joe Rudolph as well as Paul Crystal say, that they're trying to keep guys fresh. They're trying to um, go ahead and use all these guys who have earned the opportunity to play, but... I still think that this is a case where they have one offensive lineman that they really feel comfortable with and 100% confident in, and Logan Bruss, who never came out of the game at right tackle until late. So I think this is a case where they're still looking for their top five, um, and really it's the four others. Um, And I think that they probably have answers. We, we've seen now that Caden Lyles has has had multiple penalties that have hurt this team um, at center, whereas Joe Tittman I think, has done a little bit better job. You're starting to see some guys emerge, at different positions that I think will will probably sort themselves out. But but I do think that it's it's interesting that they're continuing that rotation. Usually it's only one or two positions for them to be you know doing the the full on hockey line shift here has been. Uh, something that's a little new for at least for me because there's so much continuity and communication at that position that I think that um, in the long run I I don't think that it's sustainable to keep doing it this way Um, if if they want to you know reach their ceiling as offensively. Yeah no I totally agree with you I think that was kind of the other big offensive takeaway we we mentioned
0: last week that we thought we would see it at least a little bit you know some rotation but I didn't. I didn't expect to see you know you know like you said uh, hockey you know just going to the second line and then go back to the first line. I mean even even Tyler Beach getting subbed out and, and rotated with Logan Brown is is something that that really tells you like you mentioned they're, they're confident in Bruss the other guys. I think they like the other guys that they've had in this rotation, but they haven't quite settled on who they want to be. I would expect you you go into this bye week really trying to at least. Pencil in maybe four, you know, the or three, the other three, including brus to try. Maybe you got to rotate one spot, but you want to try and maybe get some continuity, get your five going, you know, through this bye week and into that Notre Dame week to hopefully come out and, and play strong in that contest. Because like you mentioned, I maybe Joe Rudolph knows something we don't know, and maybe it's just rotating. But to me, when well, he definitely does, let's, yeah, let's be honest, yeah, sure, yeah. But it's like um, it, it's definitely. Interesting. You know, you don't see a lot of teams, of course, going out there and rotating. So I, I think we'll definitely see some settle down, uh, in that. But if not, you know, maybe he's just really confident in all the guys that he's got. But that'll be, a, I think one thing to really look for, uh, in their next contest is how the offensive line kind of rotates. Cause like I said, they, they, you know, you got Logan Brush in there. The other guys, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot right now of who's going
1: to be, um, you know, your other four with him as you move forward here. Uh, okay, so now to nitpick a little bit on the offense, anything that you um, think they still need to clean up or things that you saw that you were like, ah, that's still not great? Um,
0: You know, I don't think there was too much. I I, I kind of look at it this way. I mean, offensively, I think I would have liked to see them throw it a little bit more, but at the same time, when the ground game's working like that, it's hard to say, oh, go out and pass it more. You know, I know we were talking about Graham Murch trying to get him some confidence. I think they did enough there. Um, so that would be the only thing. Maybe, uh, you know, like you mentioned, um, of course, with the Clay Cundiff you know, callback, some more explosive plays through the air would have been nice to see. But, that, but that, again, that's really nitpicky uh, overall for me. I, I think the three things that, that we kind of touched on were, were everything that stood out. I did like that they got Kendrick Pryor involved. Danny Davis looked okay. So maybe just some more explosive plays. But other than that, you know, I think this offense just came out did what it needed to do, dominated, um, you know, up front and, and moved the ball and, and really you know, run, ran the damn ball and, and got out of there with a win, which for Wisconsin football sometimes that, that's all you can really ask for. How
1: about yourself? I think the, the big thing for me is still the red zone. Um, I'm still weary of that after last week against Penn State, that they really struggled in the red zone with self-inflicted, Um, wounds and you look in this game and they had a few of them again right away the first drive. They got all the way down um, into the red zone after Moosey broke off that 60 yarder. And then there was the the tripped mesh between the quarterback and and running back that that resulted in a loss. And then they were playing behind the chains Uh, as well as then they had to settle for a field goal when they got down to inside the 10 again simply because they had the the bobbled bobbled touchdown possibility the the callback after Danny Davis was called for the hold, and so like they had opportunities, but it was once again those those um, self-inflicted gunshots that they just got to take away. Like, you can't do that to yourself in the red zone. Um, and, and, you know, against Eastern Michigan, you can get away with it, but against maybe a Notre Dame, against we saw it against Penn State, you only get so many opportunities in the red zone, and you've got to take advantage. I'm glad they were able to still get the field goal off and and put it through the uprights. Um, in both their attempts, but but still, you want touchdowns down there, especially when you get stuffed at, at the goal line by Eastern Michigan. That that doesn't exude a lot of confidence, at least to me. So that first drive was specifically was the one that I think that they should have been able to punch it in, and, and really they need to be better in that aspect. And I think if they can clean that up, this team will be much better because I think the defense is going to keep them in every game.
0: Yeah, and I think that transitions as well. Why don't we go ahead and, and start talking a little bit about this defense, who really just came out and and dominated? Um, you know, uh, 92 total yards for Eastern Michigan. They could get nothing going. 2.4 yards per play. 16 rushing yards. I mean, this defense just was was incredible. You know, there we'll talk about it a little bit. There wasn't a, a ton of sacks or anything like that. It was just this front seven was not letting you have anything, and uh, of course forced them to. To punt, you know, two eleven on third down for Eastern Michigan. Really, just across the board, this this front seven was was dominating. So let's go ahead and, and just kind of talk about what stood out to you or who stood out um, from this defensive effort, because really uh, across the board they played well, even into the reserves. I mean, a lot of guys got in the game, didn't miss a beat. You know, sometimes you rotate in some other guys, you expect to to maybe slack a little bit, give up some more yards. That wasn't the case. Wisconsin got a lot of guys in and and really just continued to dominate.
1: Yeah, I think that was the thing that stood out to me was, was just how willing they were to rotate different combinations in there. And at an early point in the game, this wasn't just late, late where you saw guys like um, Tatum Graskett. And I'm talking about earlier in the game where you saw a lot of different players rotating in, especially along the defensive line, as well as the outside linebacker position. And I thought they looked good. Um, Safety is John Torchio um and as well as um Blaylocks, they looked really good as well. that hit that Blaylock dropped um to to break up the the pass that led to the interception was really good um but i I was really impressed by the defensive line if you have if I had to look at a unit and say... Matt Henningsen and Keanu Benton are a really good one-two punch up front for the Badgers. They like to do that two-down lineman set um, when they go to nickel. Um, they're both out there when they go three-down linemen as well. Um, even Isaiah Mullins I thought looked good. He had three three tackles and, and really was, was stout against the run. But but Henningsen had the sack as well as a pass breakup. Um, and then you also look at Keanu Benton. He shot down an entire possession himself with uh, a tackle for loss and then a pass breakup on third down. So I think those two are really giving the Badgers a lot up front, helping this defense out in a lot of ways. And I think they really open up the the different things that Jim Leonard can do schematically because of what they bring to the table in the front seven. That was something that, that they wanted coming into the year, and they've talked about was wanting to be more aggressive with those um, defensive linemen. And so far, uh, you, you love what Ross Collage is doing with that group, and I think that that's really going to help this defense along the way. And, and I'm I'm excited about this team going up against Notre Dame in a, in a week to see kind of how um, that that group up front holds their own against Notre Dame, who has a much better line than what we saw from Eastern Michigan.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's crazy. Last year, of course, after the Mayo Bowl, and, and we did some of the offseason stuff. That defensive line was the place that you looked at. It and, man, okay, you got you got a couple guys departing. You got some guys that have been rotation guys. Are they going to be able to step up, take on a bigger load, be be players that are impact players? And and so far, this defensive line has been you know even a reversal of that. I, I think they've been the strength. Um, of course, the linebackers are are your bread and butter, but I think the front has been really really good. The secondary, of course, of the opener was the the one face of the defense that. Um, that was, that was a little bit concerning, but you expect them to get that cleaned up. Um, in terms of that secondary, I think communication wise, they looked a lot better. Um, you know, there was, there was less confusion. It seemed like, of course, when you're, you're talking about only giving up 76 passing yards and 2.4 yards per play, it's hard to really nitpick, but, um, I, I think the secondary looked better. But yeah, that front was, was really something special with Henningsen and, and Benton. If those two can play like that and, and be, not just guys in there, but guys that are, are dominating and making impact. I mean, we expected that from of Benton. Matt Henningsen, we've talked about it multiple times, a guy that we think is a really underrated, kind of gets forgotten about. Um, he's a really good player. It's time that we just start saying, you know, Matt Henningsen is pretty damn good. And that one-two punch, you get a little bit from Isaiah Mullins, you get some maybe some other guys rotating in there, and, and you're really solid because that uh, that goes well with the front seven, which, of course, was out Leo Chanel once again. Once he's back, Sanborn, the outside linebacker, I think you're really looking at that front being uh, pretty special thus
1: far. Absolutely. And really, this, this defense was shorthanded. You you talk, you brought up Leo Chanel being out. He should be back for Notre Dame. But then you had Colin Wilder, who is out with an injury. Saw him excited on the on the sidelines. Don't know kind of what his status is for Notre Dame. But I would think two weeks, hopefully, he's good to go by then. Um, and then Fayon Hicks was also unavailable. Hopefully he's a- available for Notre Dame as well. So you saw a lot of different bodies get opportunities, and, and I thought they all played well. I mentioned Tortio and Blaylock and what they did at safety, um, both ro- rotating in with Scott Nelson. But then Mike Mastelunas, the past two games, has really held his own, done some really nice things. Uh sixtier guy who who probably could be playing for a lot of different teams as the, the for-sure starter, um, but decided to come back to, to play with the Badgers again as a walk-on. I, th- I think you look at him and, and what he's done the last two games to keep things afloat, and you've got to be proud of, of him. But then you also look at the cornerbacks. I saw a lot of guys rotating in. Um, Spencer Whiteau got involved at outside linebacker, had a nice nice stuff. But, but really the cornerbacks of rotating in Burton, who got an interception, Alexander Smith, who's, who's been kind of your nickel guy a lot, but then Samar Melvin as well. So I, I think that you you like what you have in this defense, and I just love how many different guys got opportunities and and that it didn't seem like the moment was too big for them. Even guys like Hunter Wolwer got in on there late, um, and, and Ricardo Hallman, um, James Thompson Jr. So some guys that we hadn't seen a whole lot of. Amon Williams, they were all in there and and making plays. So I think that this defense is in a really good spot, and you just hope once those three normal starters get back that in the big moment, in the big game, like Notre Dame here in two weeks, that they have those communication pieces down in the back end. Because I think that this defense will go as far as the secondary allows them to. Because I really do think that the front you know, seven or six when you go to nickel is, is a lead at this point.
0: Yeah, they've looked really good. If that secondary is can get to where you expected them to be um, early on, I think this defense is is really set up to be a, a strong unit once again. We expected that coming in, and so far, maybe we're just nitpicking a little bit, but this secondary I think will be better. And overall, this defense will will of course be be really good as as we've seen time and time again. So, like we said, anything more you want to see? I mean, when you talk about a two point four yards per play. It's it's again it's nitpicky a little bit here, but anything more you wanted to see or things that you the defense could improve a little bit as you move
1: into this bye week and, and get ready for Notre Dame. Nothing nothing really that comes from this game. You can there's still some yep. some lingering things from Penn State that they think they're going to need to clean up because let's be honest, and I brought it up before. You know, Eastern Michigan's top wide receiver is a five foot eight walk on who is a slot receiver and not overly um, quick. So you you weren't expected to be tested in the back end. That's where this team, um, when they've gotten beat in the past, it's usually because of the secondary. So I think that's still the question that I have is is just how good can this secondary be, and can they can they you know get to a point where they're at an equal playing field or at least close to the same spot as to what the, the front seven is, because I just, I like I said, I don't see a lot of teams being able to run the ball, which I think is, is going to be tested against Notre Dame, who has one of the better running backs in the country.
0: Yeah, I think that's really the only thing you can stand out. I mean, uh, I know you probably maybe wanted to see a little bit more pressure, but, you know, Eastern Michigan only threw the ball 20 times, and Wisconsin got home for two sacks, so Again, the, the stack numbers maybe aren't where they were at one point, but I think they'll continue to get better with that when you're when a team's only throwing it 20 times, and, and really most of them were, were short throws to just try and get it out before they could get there. Um, I, I think that's probably something that is, is not a super big um, area of concern. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It goes back to that opener. You can't forget about that game. Of course, a win makes everybody feel better, but there's still things that I think will be needed to cleaned up because uh, Notre Dame will have, of course, They've got solid receivers. They've got a solid tight end, and uh, of course, Wisconsin will be tested in that one. So, uh, to round things out here, why don't we go ahead and uh, hand out some some game balls, offensive and defensive MVPs? Who are the guys that really stood out to you and uh, feel you deserve or deserve some award and recognition for their play on Saturday?
1: Um, On offense, I'll go Logan Bruss, only offensive lineman who didn't, you know, wasn't taken out as part of that rotation. And when you look at how how much damage the Badgers did on the ground, I think it's easy to go with a guy like Malusi. But I think that Bruss and that offensive line did a lot of a lot of good things on the ground to help them out. Not to mention that he stood up for his teammates and, and shoved the you know what out of Turin Rush, who was playing dirty all game long, spitting in players' faces, poking. Eyes out, stepping on running backs. I mean, just pretty bad kid at this point. If, if those are the things you're doing, I don't know what else to tell you, man. Um, but good for Logan Brust to stand up for his teammates and shove them over. Um, I, I think that that's, was the play of the game in a lot of ways. Um, and then defensively, I'm going to go with Henningsen and, and Benton I, I for a lot of the reasons I've already brought up. I, I love the, uh, the celebration after the play by Benton, but, but really, overall, those two have just been so good. And I love how they're getting their hands up. If they can't get to their quarterback, they're putting their hands up and getting in passing lanes, which has already shown up to the tune of a few pass breakups um, this season. So those two are playing at a really high level right now. Yeah,
0: I think um, yeah defensively, I would have to agree with you. There's um, Those are the two names that really stand out. Matt Henningson and Keanu Benton really played really well. Um, and, and are, are looking like to be, they're going to be a dominating force uh, up front, which is a really good sight to see um, for this team. Offensively, like you mentioned, I mean, 7.2 yards a carry for, for Chaz Malusi. He definitely would deserve something like that. Isaac Rendo, 23 yards a carry, four attempts for 92 yards. That's a, a really nice change of pace there. Um, just to be, like, a little, be a little different, Graham Mertz, I'll go ahead and say, you know, 14 to 17, didn't blow anybody away but I think looked a lot better, which, once again, if you want to get to where you want to go with this team, he's going to be a guy that needs to be confident, play well, do what he did on Saturday. You know, Hopefully he can give you a little bit more throughout a, a full four quarters. But right now um, I think he looked pretty good and um, well-established. So, overall, it's just a dominating game. A lot of different guys played well, so you could recognize a lot of them. But uh, uh, I think it was a good win and a good tune-up for this team to head into that bye week. Absolutely. All right, guys, well, that wraps up our first episode of the week. Like I mentioned, i um, a little bit shorter here today, but we'll be back, of course, with you later in the week, get into anything more. We'll talk about uh, what to expect for the bye week um, as we move forward. And, and then, of course, next week we'll get into a huge contest at Soldier Field with Notre Dame. So, as always, guys, thank you for listening on Wisconsin. <laughs>